Hey, we're going to take a little break here and talk about interstate batteries. Now, if you're like me, enjoying the great outdoors, you need gear that is as reliable as it gets. That's why I power my adventures with interstate batteries. I use interstate batteries in my boats. I use interstate batteries in my camper. Great for your truck, too. From Alaska to Montana, they're outrageously dependable. Battery is essential. With over 150,000 dealer locations, finding one is easy. For all your vehicles, land or sea, choose interstate. Head to interstatebatteries.com and find your power today. Maui Nui is on a mission to help balance access deer populations for the good of our environment, communities, and food systems on the island of Maui. They've shared over 126,000 pounds of nutrient-dense protein with the Maui community. Secure your spot now. Become a snack subscriber and join in helping to build more resilient food and ecosystems on Maui. Visit MauiNuiVenison.com. That's M-A-U-I-N-U-I-Venison.com. And use promo code BEAR for 20% off your first order. You know what my favorite text is? A Waypoint and the Onyx Hunt app to a goblin turkey. The list on the Onyx Hunt app features for chasing turkeys is long, but knowing exact public and private boundaries and land ownership details will help you find more places to hunt, whether that's on public or private. I'll be toting the Hunt app through the spring woods in a few states this year, and I recommend you do the same if you want more turkeys on your table. Also, Onyx has a special offer for you. Use code BEARGREASE to receive 20% off your membership at onyxmaps.com hunt this spring. My name is Clay Newcomb, and this is a production of the Bear Grease podcast called the Bear Grease Render, where we render down, dive deeper, and look behind the scenes of the actual Bear Grease podcast. Presented by FHF Gear, American-made, purpose-built hunting and fishing gear that's designed to be as rugged as the places we explore. You remember that in Deliverance when that guy come around the corner? When they, he said, who's picking a banjo here? No. <laughs> you don't what, remember tell that? Me, tell me s- the whole story. Have oh, you ever yeah. seen I've never seen the movie in my life. I have oh. not seen Deliverance either. I was not allowed There's to watch it. There's some notorious it. scenes in that movie that I don't want to hear about it. Seen. Yeah. Did I, you ever see that movie, Dad? Yeah. Oh, yeah. When did that come out? Burt Reynolds, probably 1980. Oh, 70s, late 70s, wasn't it? I think it'd be it probably, yeah, 70, 71. It was the early 70s. Oh, early. Okay. Yeah, I would say it was pretty early. I, I don't know. I can't tell 1972. you. 1972. Yeah, this is a, this is an interesting topic of conversation we're going to have today. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I Listen, I want... So what we do on the Bear Grease Render, if you're not familiar, if you've just... This is your first podcast. We have or two styles of podcasts under the Bear Grease banner. So we have our what we just call Straight Up Bear Grease, which is our documentary-style podcast, which is going to be multiple interviews telling a story, doctored up, music, soundscapes, really polished and produced. That's that. Then we have the Bear Grease Render, which is a group of us, there are five of us here right now, that are going to talk about the previous week's podcast, dissect it, talk about high points, low points, and so that's what we're doing. So that's what this is. I want to start off with you. Did you know that before Brent got here, or when he when he got here, we kind of started talking a little bit 
And he said, you know, Clay, I kind of da-da-da-da-da about the podcast. And I said, whoa, 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 whoa. I said, save that energy for the render. I'm a whirlwind of emotion right now. <laughs> really? After listening to the podcast. Oh, yeah. Good. So what I want to say is I want you to be absolutely free to say whatever you think. Because Nobody's going to judge me? No. This is a this is a safe place. Okay, good. Yeah, nobody else. A is safe zone, right. judgment no, free zone. So. Okay, good. But uh, no, not, it's not like the other podcast where we were really limited, right? Where <laughs> <laughs> we really held listen, back. It was scripted. Listen, <laughs> that this was all is what scripted. happens inside of social structures. Okay, so this is a social structure. You guys obviously are my friends. One of you is my wife. One of you is my father. Prince not related to me. Josh yeah. isn't either. <laughs> But you, be you know, you, you, you kind of build a bias of positivity towards something, or you want to spin something so it doesn't hurt somebody's feelings. Do you see? You, you, you guys can't fully be trusted. So you're anticipating <laughs> that people are going to be too nice that they're not well, going to actually like were, this podcast. If they were inclined, if they were so inclined to be like, "Man, Clay, I really think you missed it on this one." Like, I would want you to say that and just tell me why. I mean, that does me no good to have friends that don't tell me. The truth. Now, all the other people that are listening that really aren't my platform. friends, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the wounds of a friend can be trusted, right? That was a joke. I want to hear what people think. And I could say things right now. I think that would guide what you're going to say in 10 minutes from now. I doubt it. What do you mean? Like leading us? I just, it happens all the time. People just, they are led into a tone of I can't be manipulated. Be. I'm beyond it. Good. Not like to, it. Not today, Perry. Mason. Dad, can you be hey, I can be led like a little sheep. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's, I, I, he's got you know a believer what? Did hat. Did you notice that Gary <laughs> Newcomb is sporting his regular goatee, but his mustache is missing? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Should he be nice... wearing one of the mustaches? Yeah, yeah. We've got a package of mustaches <laughs> over there's here. There's even some gray ones in there. So today on the render, we have Brent Reeves. Man, you're looking sharp, Brent. You got. I would say you have on a moderately worn pair of overalls. Are those, yep. those stone-washed? Stone-washed. <laughs> Acid-washed overalls. They are. Um, I noticed that you're running your Crocs in air-conditioned mode. Yep. You, no socks. Correct. And you have a beautiful bear grease hat on. You actually look really good. I mean... It looks good. Like after a poster that, boy. After that introduction, I can hardly wait to hear what I've got to say. <laughs> hey, let me say, I think that Brent might have the shine of a winner. Oh, he is, is that what it is? I think so. Well, since you brought that up. Yeah. and Tell us, what'd you win? Well, I tell you what, I took, my old, I took old Waylon to a coon I hunt saw that. over in East Arkansas at Crockett's Bluff. And we went out on his second UKC hunt, and by gosh, we won it. Won a cast. He did good. Mm. Did good. Way to go, Waylon. And proud. I got I got pictures from Alexis. Oh, oh really? Friends, of, uh, After the win. Uh, so uh, what Brent, Brent did is he went to a competition coon hunt, which described the mood, the scene, the vibe. Man, it's a, it was a community center over in Crockett's Bluff. It's a real old community, and there's there's no township or anything there. It's just a community, a community of people. There's nothing as far as a city or anything like mm -hmm. that. But everybody got there, and you register as a UKC event. You have to be there about a certain time. And you know, pay your entry. You got to be a member. Your dog's got to be registered. Mm -hmm. And I drew out with uh, another guy uh, hunting a walker dog and one guy hunting a, a blue tick and one guy hunting a black and tan. Mm. And great guys, great fellowship. Sportsmanship was good. I didn't find my coon. One of the guys I was competing against found it and mm. said, so there's your coon right there. You know, he, he didn't have to say anything. He could have just kept his mouth yeah. shut and that tree would have been, according to the rules, would have been a circle tree, but. 
Yeah. Honesty and integrity prevailed, and it was that's, good. That's good. It was really it's good. good. It was an and enjoyable so, hunt. So Waylon won his second cast win, and did he win the whole hunt or just the cast? No, just that cast. There okay. was there was not an overall winner. We had a, an early round which started around nine o'clock, and then the late round started at midnight. So it was a you know a late long night. Yeah. But uh, but we had a, had a great time. Good way to go. Wayland. I went hunting one time this week and uh, took uh, Fern and my new pup Hoot, and uh, they treated one time. Didn't see the coon. I'm not fully convinced it was there, but we're gonna we're gonna try to do a little springtime hunting this year. Oh, good. Yeah. It's fixing to get really good. You think so? The little ones to start when they come down. Brent saw it. It's going to be everywhere. Brent saw a deer. He sent me a video, Dad, of a deer completely submerged under the water except for its neck and head. Yeah. I saw that. Did you see it? It was on social media, too. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 A doe, wasn't it? A doe. He thinks that. You think she was. Do you think she got scared hearing Wayland tree that close to her and just bedded down no, in the it water? Was, it was Michael's dog actually it was right there beside her, and no, huh? That that deer was there ten minutes before the dog came in there. We just happened to be standing there. A big, there's a bunch of deer. Water's up over there where we hunt, where Michael caught that coon. Yeah, and we watched him. That's eight feet underwater right now. No way. Holy yeah, cow. inside that levee, wow. right there where where we were at. Holy smokes! So I've watched. Uh, our friend Michael Roseman catch two coons by hand. Yeah, <laughs> I leave. I was chasing down there. and catch them. I was by there. Hand. You were there yeah, on the last impressive. one. Uh, yeah. Carry on. Yeah, we saw the deer. We actually Michael shined a light up in there, and he said, "What's that?" And I said, "That a coon." He said, "No, it's a deer. Look at it." And you could see. I mean, it was like a periscope death, just right from the neck <laughs> up, sticking up out of the water. You could barely see her hind end, but she was bedded right there. Wow. There was no mosquitoes. Buffalo gnats weren't weren't bad. It was cool. So I mean, I, I I don't know. Haven't decided if I feel like she was hiding because she saw you guys and just hunkered down in the water, or if she you think she was actually bedded down. But man, I have coon. You've coon. You've walked up on deer before. Dogs treed close to them. Yeah, they, they they just they don't do nothing. They just lay there. Yeah. So I just I have. It's hard for me to believe that she wouldn't have walked off. That she would have just hunkered down in that water if she hadn't already been there. Yeah. Weird though. It was pretty cool. Well, I was just getting the introductions. Misty Newcomb. Hey. Good, good to, to have be here. You. Yeah. You haven't done anything like wildly wild in the outdoors recently, Not, have you? Well, I mean, I got my garden going. Yeah. Misty's got it's a pretty big, wild. Oh, Misty was on the Meat Eater Live show in Billings, Montana last week. Yep. It was a big deal. A lot of fun. Yeah. A lot of fun. I saw that on Instagram. That was intriguing. I'd like to have seen more. (laughs) Unfortunately, that show won't be broadcast on uh, the Meat Eater podcast feed. It's just a live show. That's why you got to go, man. Oh, man. Hey, there were were at least 1,100 people there, as I understood it. 1,100? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Maybe more. And everybody that came got one of Steve Rinella's books, uh, Raising... Outdoor, outdoor kids, kids in an, an indoor. inside world, indoor world. Yeah. And so the 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 podcast was structured around uh, raising kids in the outdoors to be engaged inside of the outdoors. So it was pretty cool. And that's why partly why they had Misty on there uh, and me. We have kids. And uh, <laughs> so that was incredible, fun. Incredible, incredible credentials. 
Yeah. We have just, kids. <laughs> we have children. We produce You're bona fide. <laughs> Steve, Steve was quick to say it wasn't a podcast. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's right. It was a live show. Yeah. yeah. It was, it's a lot of fun. Um, Chester Floyd played music at the beginning and end. Seth fleshed coon while you guys were the, the whole entire time, time right behind us i saw there. some pictures that i'm like just standing there there's some ambiance so for you if you got yeah. bored what, honest, listening to us you could just watch Seth. for me oh this is some so after the after the event there was people that were in this uh auditorium that work there and they come in after the show and clean the seats <laughs> and stuff and uh there was an older lady that came up and she said uh she said, not to me, but to one of our guys, she said, what was that woman doing with those coon hides? <laughs> I thought and, she said, what was that woman doing with all that meat? Well, yeah, yeah, that's mm-hmm. what she said. But she thought Seth was a lady because Seth had this hair. big, not really, uh, but he had this big apron on. It looked like a dress <laughs> from a long ways away. Yeah, you you just walked in yeah, and you I just saw thought it on he Instagram. was wearing a dress. Yeah. So anyway, we thought that was... We thought that was that was funny. He'll never live um, that down. Josh, you been fly fishing? A uh, little bit. It's been really, really wet here. Yeah, it has been raining like crazy, inches every day. Hurt my strawberries. And so uh, I tried to do a little creek fishing yesterday, but came up empty-handed. Mm. But wow. we went a couple weeks ago to the White River, and Christy caught a twenty-one-inch brown trout. Oh, I saw wow. a picture of that one. Yeah. Wow. And you caught me some rainbow trout. Yeah, caught, Chris, caught Misty some rainbow trout, Since brought them home, time. so yep. yeah. Clay and Misty grilled them. Yeah. Dad, you been doing anything outdoors? Well. Fun? You, you know, been... we uh, took a little four-wheeler trip up in northwest Arkansas. That's right. I uh, put the old Can-Am on the hill they call Highway to Heaven. Yeah. <laughs> it did pretty good. Was it straight up? Yeah, pretty much. We used, anybody to, we used to. See anybody you knew up in, there? This was in Polk County. Uh, actually, it was in Polk County, but it, it Pope, was a place P-O-P-E. we used to. We used well, Polk. We used to jeep there, and as we were traversing this area, someone said, "That's the hill we used to have trouble climbing in jeeps." And these new side by sides, I mean, they just. Go up stuff. On a scale of one to ten, steepest you've ever done, how does it rank? Oh, um, it doesn't. Really? Yeah. Doesn't even so it's like, well, I mean, you is know, there it one was a little even... scary in that when you got to the top, there were really big rocks. You know, I thought I broke an axle on it, but it didn't. And uh, that's a hard that's a hard question because there's so many different type hills. You know, some hills you've got places where maybe you might flip over you got some hills that you hit at a high speed. You got some hills you crawl. This was kind of a crawl hill. Okay. But it, it was not a big deal. But out of a group of about 10 vehicles, there were only two of us that tried it. Oh, really? Mm. Yeah. So, and we both made it. It was fun. Have That's you a ever, good you, have measurement. You, you've never come over backwards, have you? No. Never. No. That's no. amazing. Well, on a four-wheeler one time, just playing around, I had one come over, but it wasn't even... You know, it just it was just a freak deal. And you got off. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was one of the first clutch machines I'd ever driven. Mm-hmm. And I was just driving up, stopping and then rolling back. And somehow I didn't do the clutch right. Yeah, came just, over. Came just, over. No big just deal. Just flipped over. Yeah. I remember yeah. I remember when I first started hunting with y'all, I didn't grow up on four wheelers or anything. And Gary let me take his four wheeler out and I remember I got I tried to cross a log 
lengthways and got high centered on the axles. And the look of disgust that Gary Newcomb gave me when he came around the corner. Like you're a grown just thinking about it. How could you have even let this happen? And he's like, get off. Let me oh, Did you know that there's some, I tried back in the former Bear Hunting Magazine podcast days mm. when we could just, we just talked about whatever we wanted. I was going to have dad and John Mesco, who's dad's best buddy down in Mina, um, tell some stories of, them mesco more than once like they had to haul him out of the woods in an ambulance or 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 i mean he broke his leg one time while y'all were out yeah in his shoulder one time in his shoulder one time crawling up stuff and mesco flipped they were way way and then i don't know if you remember but we were riding with some guys one time and uh you know it was pretty it was pretty crazy ride and we just knew somebody was going to get hurt. And sure enough, this guy did. And when the ambulance came, I went to get the ambulance. And the two ladies were driving the ambulance. They said, you can't drive an ambulance back there. And I go, scoot over. <laughs> and they let me drive this brand new. <laughs> you can't yeah. told this oh, story. Yeah. Oh, I remember. I, I, you know, but I. I got in this brand new ambulance and I drove it. If you know Wolfpin Gap, I drove that sucker way back into Wolfpin Gap. And when I stopped, it was just boiling over with smoke. But the guy lived. I mean, it, he was really <laughs> bad. I mean, this yeah. was a bad deal. What happened on that wreck? Well, he just hit a, a jump wrong and, and the thing flipped on him instead of him doing anything to correct it. He just hung on to the handlebars, and it just drove his head straight into oh, the ground. Man. And Mesco on was there. On and a four-wheeler? Yeah, a doctor. on a side, on a four-wheeler, yeah. And a Mesco warrior, was, wasn't it? A Yamaha yeah, he had warrior. a warrior. Mm-hmm. It was a long time ago, and Mesco knew what to do, and he, you know, and I was steadily Mesco's going to go get the ambulance. We just want to say, Mesco's a doctor. Yeah, Mesco's, <laughs> yeah, a, doctor. Mesco's a doctor. So you drove that ambulance all the way back in there Oh, man, it. yeah. Well, the other time that they, or one of the times they were riding... And it was just Dad and John, and John flips, gets in the wreck. I, you can go in the details or whatever, but they had to make a splint and splint John's leg up and limp yeah, him out of the It was pretty interesting, him being a doctor. We're going down this deal. It looked like a cow's face. I mean, it was just straight down, but we didn't have any choice. <laughs> we got back in there in the woods, got lost. Always the, the commies made him do it. <laughs> and, and so I had John, I had John right on the back of my, I said, John, we both have brand new side-by-sides. We don't know how they function. Four-wheeler, four-wheelers. And I said, you ride on the back of my rack, because this is like driving off a bluff. So he got on my rack, rode down. So I started running back up the hill to get on his rack. But he thought, I, I, I can do this. Well, he got halfway down, and it didn't behave the way it was supposed to, or the way he thought it was going to behave. Mm-hmm. And it just, it just like pitched him out into the air, fifteen feet up. And when he landed, it just snapped his leg, and then that that side by side or four wheeler just kept chasing him down the ah. hill. Oh my gosh! And it went five times, and when it got to the bottom. He's sitting next to a tree in the side besides, like right here, and it never touched him except the rubber. Oh, but to get wow. him out of the woods, he goes, okay, cut six little sticks about the size of my thumb, six inches long. Get your tarp out of the back. Give me your duct tape. I had everything. And he just made a cast for it, 
Was it his lower leg, like his yeah. shin? Yeah. And so he rode my side, my four wheeler out, side saddle mm-hmm. with all that stuff on it. Took us about two hours, three hours mm-hmm. to get him to the hospital. When y'all hear that Indiana Jones music start playing, you need to stop whatever you're doing. Turn everything <laughs> off. Because <laughs> this makes me get dangerous. I'd say we have a choice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you have a choice for real. Yeah, you can cut that out. But anyway, no, that's that's wild, man. Um, four wheeler stories. I wasn't planning to go there, but we did. Um, but that. Uh, so this podcast. Okay. Oh man. It's interesting because Josh and Brent have emotions connected to the podcast that I wasn't expecting. Josh coming in and saying, "What did He's you tore say? up?" Yeah, I'm a I'm a I'm a whirlwind of emotion. That's that, what I said. you've got <laughs> conflicting emotions. Yeah, yeah, because I think the statement that that caught me the most was Andy Brown when he was talking about Louis Dale, and he said he didn't do everything right but he did a lot of stuff right. And that there's a juxtaposition there that's like, I think I feel the same way that you do, Clay. It's like, there's so many good qualities. And it's like, does one cancel out the other? You know what I mean? And so it leaves you in this quandary of like, and and not that you have to, in your life, support or not support someone. But, uh, you know, I, I, I've known lots of people in my life, obviously, as everybody has, but... Uh, you know, I, I remember when we first moved to Texas when I was a kid, there was a there was a guy, we we lived in this, well, we were poor. We lived in this little mobile home outside of this uh, junkyard. Mm. And I thought it was the greatest thing in the world because I would go wander around oh, in yeah. that junkyard. It yeah. was like junkyard heaven, Josh. heaven mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. But the guy that owned, owned it, his name was Vaughn Arnie. <laughs> and I remember Vaughn Arnie, you'd go in his house and I remember, and I was like six, maybe six at this time. What were you doing in Vaughn Arnie's house at age? Well, his his daughter would babysit me while my mom was working. Mm. And you'd go in the house and they had- I a, trust your mom's judgment. They had, they had lots of mechanics and stuff Hashtag that would come it. in. And like every night, they would just have 10, 15 people at the dinner table. His wife would just make enough food for a big group. But I remember Vaughn Arnie, and I remember like he was always real kind to me. But then I would see him- deal with people and i knew I, everybody kind of knew like you love vaughn but you can't quite trust vaughn mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and everybody called him vaughn arnie vaughn arnie hey vaughn arnie really yeah and uh but i remember that same kind of feeling about this guy like i really like him but I, yeah. there's something about him that's like you just can't get settled about it yeah and i you know listening to the podcast it kind of made me think of those kind of feelings about about Louis Dale and Von Arnie was a crook. Von Arnie was <laughs> That's what you're I mean, to say. absolutely Von Arnie a was a crook. crook. Yep. He was a con man. The, I think the thing about these two guys, you don't condone what they did. I mean, it, it it's just wrong, period. There's just no two ways to skin that cat. But they did so many good things that the good people didn't even do. Yeah. I mean, mm. they helped people that no one even knew about it until the funeral. Yeah. They did things that were way beyond the normal human activities. I mean, they were just so you, you can't spin it where what they did was right. It's just right. not. But That's a good you, way to put but it. why do we like them? Yeah. And the reason we like them is because they love people. 
they helped people, they treated people right. I I I would I would completely agree with you because I think that that in a sense some of the like the specifically the poaching I think a lot of that was probably cultural, you know, from the way they grew up, you know, they they took meat and I'm sure, you know, there was a lot of distrust of the government, so you know, game and fish coming in and saying you can harvest x number of deer and x number of turkeys is like this is my my country, you know, you don't yeah. you can't tell me what to do in my country. And so you know, I, I totally agree. You know, it made me think about the scripture where it talks about when you give, you know, don't don't need to be recognized for giving. And, mm-hmm. you know, thinking about all the people that they helped that nobody knew about but them until the, the funeral. And, uh, you know, I think those are, there's some very commendable traits. They didn't do everything right, but they did a lot of things right. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think, Brent? It was a struggle for me. You know, I've been a, in law enforcement for 31 yeah. years. Yeah. And I have always had the mindset that if I, Clay, if I arrested you for something and you pled not guilty and we went to trial and you were found guilty, I always thought, well, let's go back and charge him with perjury because he's obviously lying because <laughs> he did it. Twelve people said he did. I found it very intriguing. Mm-hmm. I did not find him endearing at all. Mm. But Really? No, not even a little bit. Um, but I also don't know him. I don't have the background mm-hmm. that that Gary has, that Clay has, that yeah. you have from, from being around these folks. But it, it was, um, it's hard for me having been in, in situations where people where good people make poor decisions in the heat of the moment. It's hard for me to find an endearing quality in someone who leaves the house with the purpose yeah. of doing something that ain't yeah. right. Yeah. So, the confrontation, and, and, you know, I've said it on here before. If you want two different stories about an incident, get two people who said they were eyewitnesses to it mm-hmm. because people see things different. Mm-hmm. But to have uh, the incident where the where it was a game warden or the park ranger, whatever it was, who was threatened over over the dog. Yeah, where Louisville... When you put when, when you put someone's you point a weapon at somebody or you put someone's life equal to that of an animal, you know, it's life is precious, man, and I have seen so much stuff that people wished in that heat of the moment they wished they hadn't hadn't done. And I I can't imagine taking someone's life over an animal like that. Yeah. If it ever happened. If it happened, if it that's the way it happened, you know, it was it was just a struggle for me to uh, to see that or to try to rationalize see, anything I, in it. That's why I wanted to hear your thoughts on it because your worldview would be coming from a, a career of law enforcement, yeah, and that's that's the one place. What you wouldn't know is that I went to multiple people. Not to get permission. I got permission and the blessing from the family. That's who I went and said, hey, I'm going to do this. I bounced this off many people, um, law enforcement people too, some of them, people in in uh, in government positions. Right. Just kind of like, hey, what, what would you think if I did this? And it, it, you know, you couldn't tell the whole story and you couldn't, I didn't even know exactly what the story was. I mean, I kind of grew up around these guys, but 
I didn't know the full story like I do now, or more of the full story. Did you uh, meet them, Clay? Oh yeah, I I would have known them. I would have just okay. been a kid. Uh, I and I'll reveal later in the podcast. And I might tell you now because I don't think I'm going to include it. But like the times I met them, like we went to a we went to Louisdale's catfish shootout. Mm-hmm. Bow I remember going mm-hmm. to their house and I'd eating love to catfish. Shoot a catfish. <laughs> they hosted a big bow shoot, and Louisdale had cat, a catfish farm. Um, and then you would just see them around. I knew who they were, and I knew Stony. And I worked with Charlie's son once for several months on a welding gig. Um, when you yeah. were when you were a builder, I, yeah. When I was a builder, I, I think the story was. I think the telling the story is important for people to know. And I think it, it was it was good. There was another thing that bothered me a little bit. And it was some folks that commented after you've released it on social media of that even after I know of twice, if not three times, you said this is not glorifying or condoning what they did. And they were said, you know, we're kind of taken aback that you would would talk about this, you know, that they kind of tried to throw some shade on you. And I want to say this right now. I don't know anybody that in the last couple of years during deer season if it was this year or last year, whenever it was, they had a world-class whitetail, and not one for Arkansas, but one a world-class whitetail in this part of the world that was only a few feet inside a piece of property that Clay didn't have permission to hunt, and he let that deer walk off, and he ain't never seen him since. And he was by himself, and there was no camera, and there was mm-hmm. no witness. Mm-hmm. Those guys would have shot that deer. Yeah. I don't know. Hey, <laughs> that deer would have been in trouble if hey, Louis I don't know. were anywhere near it. And I'm not <laughs> saying that I wouldn't have either. But I know that you didn't. And I know the purpose behind this was not to glorify what they were doing, but tell a good story. And it is an incredible story. That And that brings up a great point for me to – and y'all can help me work through this. Because for real, I don't entirely – have it all worked out exactly why I wanted to tell this story other than much of the, well, all the topics in this podcast are going to be things that I am deeply intrigued by. I mean, that that's, that's the barometer. Like, where is my interest? Me and dad and Scott Brown and Andy, everybody that's down in Mina. Oh, all you got to do to strike up a conversation with somebody is say something about Louis Dell and Charlie. We all want to talk about them. We all, I mean, I have no shame in saying I'm deeply intrigued by these guys and not, and it wasn't because they were outlaws. It was the paradox sure. yeah. that they were outlaws yeah. for, with, with, with game warden. And you're going to see, you know, Louis Dell was a moonshiner illegally making moonshine and stuff. But even inside of that, you, you'll hear the story and you'll kind of be like, Okay, but they were, and the way Dad said it was they did a lot of things that the squeaky clean people that never killed an illegal turkey wouldn't do. Yeah, and and that's where. Well, there's value in that. Well, and and it doesn't. So it's not. It's just the story I was interested in telling, and that's why in the very beginning I said, "Don't blame me." If you're endeared to these guys, but also you get to make a choice. And I totally respect what you're saying, Brent, because it's not like, I mean, w- yeah, we 
I mean, truly disdain breaking game laws. I, I'll turn you in in a flash for Blake breaking a game law. You know, I mean, it, it gets know? to it's it's um. I don't know if it's if it's braggadocious or 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 what it is to be able to if they killed a quarter of the what they were accused of, but you know it's a selfish way to look at it, you know because they're the game laws are set there for everybody, and when they if they don't apply to everybody that they don't work, you know and then, I mean you look at where we are right now, Mister Charlie and Mister Louisdale didn't cause us to you know, have low turkey numbers now. But what would that be down there if if that hadn't taken place? Who knows? That's a micro way to look at that as far as that area that, that they're from. But it was just, um, I just think it was a selfish way to, to look at it. You know, I agree with everything you're saying. Uh, but there's another side, you being law enforcement, I came into the hunting world where all I knew was quail hunting from my dad. Mm-hmm. And I knew I didn't like it because he was such a crazy, I mean, he just hunted all the time. I mean, you know, he just, he, I mean, not all the time. But when he went, it was, it was work. Right. I go, man, I don't want any part of this. So I had nothing to do with the hunting world until I got 26. And so I was introduced to bow hunting and I immediately fell in love with it, and I got to watching people. And I saw nobody. Now, take this literal. I'm telling you like I saw it. I knew nobody that wouldn't kill an illegal deer. And I'm like in a state of shock. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. I didn't have uncles that taught me that. I didn't have a dad that taught me that. Yeah. Now, if you run up against Josh, and he's a city boy out enjoying hunting you know two or three times a year now he's not gonna kill anything illegal he read the regulations and just did what it said yeah yeah but the the diehard hunters i'm telling you from my perspective you got to keep that in mind my perspective they all killed illegal stuff so where do you draw the line i killed one person i killed 50 people i mean you're killing stuff that's illegal and where is it bad it's bad with one. Yeah. It's bad with 10. It's bad with 30. These guys took their bad ways and turned it in, into a game. And I mean, you know, I, you know, whether you like that or not, but, but, uh, a lot of the people, well, a lot of the people that are real hardcore kill illegal okay. stuff. So when I was talking to one of the law enforcement guys, and I won't say his name, but he, kind of dissected a little bit of me with, with of the podcast and he said he said clay there are not old time poachers like there used to be and jimmy martin said it too there's a little bit of a potential well I, i'm not justifying and it, i don't have to qualify that i'm not justifying their actions right but every time we look into history and see something that went on and then put today's value system on that thing it doesn't mean that what they did was right then. That's not what I'm saying. But it is different. Yeah, absolutely. And what, what Dad's saying compares to what Jimmy Martin said and what this other law enforcement guy that I said that I spoke with, he said, Clay, things are not like they used to be. He said the old-time poachers are, are 
pretty much gone. And and what he meant by that was used to you could go poaching or you could you could go hunting and illegally kill something and you had to go home to a landline phone to call in the game warden. Anymore we have cell phones, we have cell service. It's just much more difficult to hide stuff. You send a picture. So partly law enforcement methods I think have gotten better, but also it's just culturally not accepted. There's the exception. You know, there's somebody out there yeah, right now. There's always probably always like, that. yeah, I used to do that. But the, <clears throat> these character character types like Lou Dell and Charlie actually were fairly common. Like I was talking to my friend, uh, I'll say his name, Giannis Putelis. And he said that he knew some guys in a state. And he said, Clay, they tried to kill a turkey for every year of their age. And they did it till they were 40. Oh, my gosh. Every season? <laughs> so I, mean, every I, I was kind of surprised by that. Because, you know, you kind of think that, oh, these outlaws are probably as good as they come. Or you know, is is notorious as they come, kill as much. And I told Giannis the story. He listened to it, and he was like, "Yeah, I knew some guys like that." And it was in a state that had incredible turkey populations, and it was in the a part of the world that reveres turkey hunting. And um, and these guys were just wearing them out, and they were basically doing the same thing as Lou and Charlie. They were they were getting dropped off and hiding guns. I mean, that's kind of the the norm. Um. The other reason that I did this is I part of what makes um light bright is darkness. I mean <laughs> it's like we have built such a system and and it's so deeply ingrained inside of me. Not that I do everything perfect. I've I've broke game laws before. But they're How dare you. and I'm going to tell about them on the next podcast <laughs> or two podcasts. Or they can go back to the, to the Arkansas Bear and Buck mm-hmm. Journal. Yeah, you and find, find that. the original. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I think it helps to see the big picture. And like I, I envision, maybe some people new to hunting, like like you, Dad, that you said when you first started big game hunting, you'd you'd grown up doing some hunting, but big game hunting, and you were like, well those are the regulations. Everybody obeys the rules, right? And then you got in there and we're like, nobody obeyed the rules. <laughs> and that's just the way it was. I like the way Andy said it at one time when he said, uh, Louis Dale turned his dogs out on October 1st. He was, he was like, he like leaned out of his chair and he said, that's just the way it happened. Okay. Yeah. That, I'm not saying it was right. You know, anyway, point being, this is part of the culture that we're coming out of that. I think we're doing a good job of, saying we shouldn't do what well, I tell you what this what this law enforcement guy told me he said the the big time poachers of today he said they're ultra secret you don't see them on the internet mm-hmm. guys posting stuff on the internet they get caught they immediately get, they're gonna get caught yeah but there are some people that are like high level high level poachers that you just don't hear about you don't know about but are killing an incredible amount of stuff yeah Ready to win Mother's Day and cement your reputation as the best gift giver in the family? Give the moms in your life an Aura digital picture frame preloaded with decades of family photos. She'll love looking back on these memories and seeing what you're up to today. Even better, with unlimited storage 
and an easy-to-use app. You can keep updating mom's frame with new photos, so it's the gift that keeps on giving. And this is not a joke. Juju Nukem has an Aura frame, and we share photos, and they're incredible. Also, my mother-in-law has one. We have them. They truly are really good, really high quality. The Aura frame is easy to set up. It takes just two minutes to set up a frame using the Aura app. It also adjusts the display depending on light levels in the room to maintain the true color of your photos. For real, the digital screen is amazing. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame when you use code BEAR, B-E-A-R, BEAR. That's AuraFrames.com. Use code BEAR at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. Montana Knife Company was founded by Josh Smith, one of the world's most experienced master bladesmiths. He's been making knives for 30 years. Made in the USA and manufactured locally in Montana. The knives come with a multi-generational warranty and free sharpening. Designed, tested, and built by hunters, MKC is a hunting knife company first and foremost. They have the sharpest knives out of the box and the easiest knives to sharpen. And that is the dadgum truth. You better be careful with them when you get them. They are sharp. MKC is a fast-growing company. They just hired their 55th employee and are looking to hire about 50 more in the next year or so. I've carried a lot of these Montana knives, and the one that I like the most is their Speed Goat, which is a lightweight hunting knife, just the right size. MKC knives sell out within minutes of being released. So head over to MontanaKnifeCompany.com. They have new knives for sale every Thursday at 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. So check their website and sign up for their text and email alerts. That is the best way to find out when they have knives available. Use code BEARGREASE10 for 10% off your first order. Montana Knife Company, working knives for working people. The old-timers say that the turkeys start gobbling when the leaves are as big as squirrel's ears and the red buds start popping. And we're about there. And we are there in the south. The Onyx Hunt app is one of my most valuable tools in the spring woods. With tools like coniferous versus deciduous tree distribution layer, you can save time by locating edges or transition areas of mixing habitats from home. Find an area like this with water in close proximity, and more than likely, there will be a goblin turkey nearby. Knowing the exact boundaries of private ground ensures I stay on the right side of the fence, but can easily find public ground to go see if I can't strike a gobbler. If you do get one to sound off, using compass mode and waypoints will help you pinpoint his exact location, allowing you to move in and make the perfect setup to bring him right into your lap. Download the Onyx Hunt app today. You'll be glad you did. Onyx has a special offer for you. Use code BEARGREASE to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com slash hunt this spring. So, Misty, what did you think? Well, it's, it's so interesting to hear people, I mean, to hear different perspectives, to even hear that there are different perspectives. I'm just listening to y'all, and I'm, I have a lot of thoughts. I, I was raised around outlaws. Do you know that, Britt? Mm-hmm. Like bikers. Yeah, you and, tell me. And so my my dad was a minister, and he'd go out to pretty rough places and, you know, built a lot of trust. So we would get invited to, you know, funerals and weddings and all sorts of things right. in some pretty messed up places. And those men were so nice to me. <laughs> As a little girl, I wouldn't have told you that 
you know, so and so I, I felt real comfortable in, and like these were my grandparents or my, my uncles, the, the, so those were the people that I was raised around. So I think I have a predisposition to see the soft, the kind side inside of pretty rough, rough characters and to, to like that, to, to like people like that, just to feel safe with people who are, you know, maybe pull like. weapons on, <laughs> <laughs> on people. But I was just thinking about like, you know, if you were to ask me, if, if, if you were to ask me who those people were, I would give you a description of really nice people, people that always kept candy in their pockets and gave it to me, people who, you know, just treated me real special. Yeah. And real, were real nice to me. But I guess if you were to ask, you know, I'm sure the victims of their their crimes, like the guy he pulled the gun on, I would mm. imagine he would not have a nice, who's to say? Perspective. Uh, yeah, who's to say what they really were? And I think that one of the things that we do a lot is we judge people based off of these really bad things they do. In reality, you know, I've, I've, I work in kind of a different circle now than, than I grew up in. And there's a lot of people that I trust that look really nice and that would never probably pull a gun on someone over a dog or for whatever reason, but I don't trust them at all. I don't, and I don't think they're good people and I don't feel safe around them. And I don't, Mm. I, I don't trust them at all. And they can walk into a bank and get a loan and be treated and drive a nice truck and have pretty white teeth. And I don't like them (laughs) and I don't feel, I don't feel safe around those kind of people. And, and I'm just thinking like what makes a person when Andy Brown at the very end said they were just so pure. I thought that was such an interesting, yeah, such an interesting way to describe them. They were just so pure because it's. That is the last thing I thought he was going to say. Yeah. Who, who are we really? And you, I think you see in general, we want to be, we want to be interpreted by our best attributes by our. And I think the reason that Clay and his dad have respect for these guys. And I actually didn't know them. my mom did, but I didn't. But they, they have heard these other, this other side of them. I just think people are so complex. And that's why the story, Clay would come home and talk to me about these interviews he was doing and about these stories. And I really enjoyed the stories because I think it really shows the complexity of people. And I think it, this day and age, we look at people and we say, that person did this one time. And I'm not saying that's what you're doing, Brent, but I'm just saying, like in cultural today, we look at things that people did, mistakes they made, things lost times that have changed and we mm-hmm. say that was evil and that person is evil. In reality, people do all sorts of crazy things. You know, if you, even biblically, if you look at people like that God loved, they did some really, really crazy stuff. Sure. And I kind of, I kind of feel some sort of comfort in the sense that you're not judged by those, by your worst actions. Who you are is not, is the sum of, you know, kind of more the core of you than and the worst things you've done. Well, and I, I feel like that's the story the podcast kind of tells a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I just want to make absolutely clear. I'm not saying these folks were bad people at, yeah. at, at yeah. all. Yeah, yeah, no, I know. Your, your point is 100% yeah. clear. Yeah. And I, you know, I said in the beginning that I set out to resolve yeah. inner conflict, which is just the truth. Inner conflict of why do I, why do I like these guys? But they, but they, what they did, I would absolutely not stand for. Like if I was in that, if I turkey hunted and saw them walk out of the woods with a gobbler two days before season, I would be chasing them down in the truck to turn them in. And then if, when I figured out who it was, maybe I'd. You know, I think everybody, I think almost everybody has the feelings that 
Brent has, but yeah. not not the depth. And not, it, you know, you've, you've been got in real world experience. But, but it's behind. like it's like me. Uh, hey, I was for the game. I was for the game wardens. I'll be honest with you. I, I sure. love Charlie and Louisville, but there's no way that uh, I was for for what they were doing. And here's another thought: is I knew Charlie and Louisville as humans, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they. The, when I saw Charlie and Louisville, I didn't think of turkey poor poachers, even though I probably really did. But I'm trying to make a point. Yeah, that they were, they were hardworking people that I enjoyed being around. I enjoyed talking to them. They'd come in my office and sit down and tell stories, and they were just, they were just good, good folks. Now they were turkey poachers. Secondly, so you know we're looking at them as turkey poachers, mm-hmm. and then these people. But they were these people that poached yeah so i don't know if that yeah what it says is that everything is complex i mean you know like i saw some comment where just somebody said i don't revere these scumbags and they were using my words because i said i revered them and it's just like i get it if you there are places in that guy's life where i guarantee you he does revere somebody that if it was someone far off, he would say they're a scumbag. Point being, we it's, a, it's just a complex story being a human. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What were you going to say, Josh? Well, I was just thinking, because I was thinking, you know, there is a, there's a dichotomy here that, that, you know, we revere them and we don't like what they do. But I think, I think a lot of times in situations like this, when you're talking about, for instance, poaching, um, there is a there's got to be the thought in the back of a man's mind that this isn't really hurting anyone you know mm-hmm. what i mean there's i and i think that's kind of a dividing line of what what you say what's a bad person what's a good person i think in the back of their mind they're thinking nobody's really getting hurt by this it's just a law to try to keep you know whatever but i'm not hurting anybody by doing it and i think that that can that can be easily justified away by the good things that you do, you know what I mean? Because you care yeah. about people and, sure. you, you know, you look out for them and, you know, I'm just killing a few extra deer, killing a few extra turkeys. Now, when we take into consideration, you know, pointing a gun at a at an, at an I, officer, that's, that's, that's yeah. very <laughs> ill-advised. Well, <laughs> let me tell you what, and, and this is kind of deep, deeper nuance inside of the takeaway from it. And, and I hope this was maybe portrayed at the end of the podcast when I gave my summary. More than... Oh, I never listened to that part. You don't listen to that last <laughs> part. If you could take the mold of those guys, a mold, and put something else different, maybe a little a little different concoction inside of it. I, I said that those guys could have given a master class on identity mm-hmm. and being genuine, which are two things that are massively, massively in the mix, in the fight for every person on planet Earth. Yes. Every person in this room. Like, we're, con- I mean, the, the, the struggle of human nature is who are we? And I mean, if you don't, if you don't identify with that statement, it's just because I didn't say it in your language the way that you would, because you are. You, you are trying to find who you are. Who, who are you supposed to be? How are you supposed to act? What are you supposed to value? What are you supposed to say? Who are you supposed to love? Where, where are you supposed to work? Where are you supposed to put your energy? Where do you get your validation? Who do you want to say that you're good? Who do you want to, you know, identity? 
and most of us and i'm i'm putting me inside of there our our sh- our identity is shaped often in the negative space of i don't want to be like that i mm-hmm. don't want to be perceived yeah. this way i'm afraid of this i'm afraid of that and so a lot of identities built out of insecurity and what i saw inside of interviewing charlie and louisdale now I, I, you know i was just a kid with these guys so it's not like i had personal adult interaction you know knew, knowing them was that they really didn't care a lot about what people thought. They had this shape of who they were. They weren't ashamed of it. And Neil Taylor said it so well. He said they were content with who they were. They didn't want to be anything that they weren't. And they had a value system that they kept their whole life. And they were the same way with the game warden as they were with their best buddy down the street. It's like, what has value as a human? The guy that, you know, uh, let me ask every person that's ever, that's listening to this right now. Have you broken a game law? Yes. Have you killed one more so. than you're supposed to? Misty Newcomb is the <laughs> only angel not. here. Maybe Josh too. <laughs> what? Have you ever I broken know, a game law? Uh, Accidentally. Okay. Well, you're a poacher. Um, no, <laughs> and but, a sorry individual. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Wow, I can't even believe you're here. <laughs> no, no. Listen, here's here's my point: is that Charlie and Louisdale broke game laws and hid stuff, but they were they were upfront about it. They just the game wardens I, I, knew it. I they knew it. Everybody knew it. We all knew it. People gravitate to someone that you can trust, even if you can trust them to be a poacher. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that comes into play with the identity. It's like the it's like I, I yeah. You're predictable. It, the mm-hmm. thing that makes people feel unsure is when you have someone that you don't that think you can't get a read on. Exactly. I mean, what makes you more uncomfortable than meeting someone and thinking, I have no idea what's going on inside of that. I don't know if they like me or they hate me or if they want to steal my money or stab me in Did the you, back or wanna Andy said that he said he said Louisville Edwards didn't beat around the bush with anybody. He was just up front. Do you have an example of the way he would have been? Not, not really. I didn't know him as well as Andy. Yeah, but uh, I knew him pretty well. I mean, we shot bows together, and uh, he'd stop by the bank occasionally and just visit. But I really can't elaborate on what he said. I can't give you a story. Yeah, but uh, I agreed with it. I mean, he didn't put up any facades. I mean, if if you didn't like your bow hunter and you don't like the kind of bow he uses, you know how we do. Yeah. If, if I if you got a recurve, you don't like my compound. If I got a compound, I don't like your gun. I mean, he didn't care anything about that kind of stuff. I mean, just you know, he he had dogs. If you don't like dogs, that's tough. You yeah. don't like my big guns, that's tough. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Uh, but I, you know, I just respect the certainty of it. I just do. I mean, and and, and what we we've got to build. It's people that have a value system that's really good. That's correct. That have that yeah. kind of certainty. That have that kind. That's what I want. I mean, I and and man, if there's one thing that I, I I'm I, I value inside of what I'm doing is that when I interact with people, and especially on it something like this, when I'm really researching somebody, whether it's Warner Glenn or Daniel Boone. Or Louisdale and Charlie Edwards, which it's wild that these Warner guys Glenn's are... probably never broken a game law. Oh, come on now. <laughs> well, I mean, the man's part of been the podcast... hunting since yeah. he was fourteen. Um, I know you're joking. Just kidding. He wouldn't. He he's a very 
he's a very good feller. Hey, one thing about these guys too. Uh, see, I was brought up in a home where, you know, it's pretty sterile, pretty pure. And in a way, Clay Newcomb was brought up in a home like that, and Misty was, and probably uh, a lot of you guys listening. He pointed, dad's, at, he pointed at Brent and then kind of turned his finger away. Yeah, so, well, not Brent, but dad's dad was a preacher. My uh, grandfather was a preacher, so dad is a preacher's kid. So, you know, hey, we're not all dealt the same hand. Yeah. Nope. I mean, these guys were brought up by moonshiners that, when they got up in the morning, their daddies and mamas were going, now you guys study hard at school and don't be getting in trouble and these are our rules and be good boys. Uh, but they come home and they're making moonshine. And the little kids are going, why are the cops got us surrounded? <laughs> I mean, you know, they're brought up, they see their heroes and their mentors and their leaders and, and they're all a bunch of criminals. And so you got these little guys growing up in that environment, and when they break out on their own, you see this kind of, like Andy said, pure. I mean, I don't necessarily agree with that word pure, right? but in a sense, you see this pure human that you're, he's got honesty, integrity, a handshake's all you need. You just keep going on and on. You need help. He's there. Just bam, bam, bam. And you're going, wow. And the guy killed a few extra turkeys. Now, which way am I going to go with this guy? You know, and uh, so they were brought up in an environment that, you know, they were making a living illegally. Man, the I thought the the I didn't know what I was getting into when I talked to Stoney. Yeah, they they literally just put out this three ring binder where they had laminated newspaper clippings from 1926. Yeah, and it and it was all this stuff about the moonshine and getting, you know, basically the the police, you know, they were acquitted of murder, and we don't know the whole story, but man was killed. Police were six police when were put on trial for murder. All of them were acquitted, and a man and his coon dog were were dead. It's pretty wild story. Shot off. Shot off. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it and it point being just, you know, that the story lines up. You know, the story lines up. There's a trajectory there. There is. Hey, you know, th- this this probably get me in a lot of trouble so you can cut this out, but I've always said the mafia when they tell you they're going to kill you, they're going to kill you. You know, in other words, you can trust them. I mean, there's there's an integrity inside of every little system that if it's dealt off of honesty, it usually works. And the only honesty the mafia has is if you disagree with them, you're probably going to die. But, you know, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Right. Charlie's little group, I mean, all they're doing is killing turkeys. Yeah. But they had this integrity that meant a lot to them. Yeah. And they lived within those boundaries. Yeah, they had a code. I think, I think they what, had a I code. I think what Misty said, and Brent, I want to hear your real thoughts because I would love it if you just went, you guys are full of malarkey, <laughs> this philosophy stuff. But let me let me say this. What Misty said, when she said it, I was like, yeah. And I, I think this would be pretty deep inside of Misty and I in particular, is that there is a whitewashed righteousness that is just malarkey in the world 
where you see people that have a glimmer, a shine of being perfect, and they're not at all. And I mean, that's part of what is so intriguing to me about rural culture and poor people and all this stuff is that the world has said these people are not of value. I mean, essentially in, in some bigger macro picture of, of, of where value is. And that is something that from a lot, I mean, just from birth, I kind of keyed in on that, that that guy may look pretty, but he's a bad guy. That guy may have some rough edges, yeah. but he's a good guy. And that's like real strong inside of me. Like I, I would rather, well, and there's, there's all kind of, there's all kind of proverbs about stuff like that. You know, better to, better to say you're not going to do it and then do it than to say you're going to do it and not do it. Mm-hmm. You know, it, so might as well just portray yourself as whatever you want to portray yourself a, as. A lot of that comes with the unknown. In other words, if I know Brent and I know what to expect, he can, you know, he can do a couple of little goofy things and it's okay. I, I know what's going on, but if he's all polished and shined and trying to sell me a bill of goods and he's a con man, like I shouldn't have judged your old buddy like I did. <laughs> it made the point, you know, a guy like that where, where you're going, wait a minute, he treats me like a king and then he's, he's like, given this guy a raw deal but uh yeah yeah it's 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 you're getting something that you don't see with your eyes you know i want to see the whole guy then i can deal with it right even you know go back to the mafia which is kind of stupid all i know is i I don't do a couple things they're not gonna kill me you know yeah so at least i know where i stand i don't want to be around these people yeah but uh but a lot of most folks a lot of folks around (laughs) You know, we don't know what we're getting. Yeah. What do you think, Brent? Well, you have an opportunity to make good choices and bad choices, and there's always circumstances for that. The incident with the dog, true or not, but I'm sure there's other things that have happened like that, not just to them, to a lot of people. You put your They were out there breaking the law, and so they put themselves in that position. You know, nobody told them to go run dogs on October the 1st. That may be what they did, but that doesn't make it right. Right. And it, and it 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 brings up a a incident or an an opportunity for something tragic to happen. Tragic something tragic did happen when the guy in the coon dog got killed. Uh Yeah. You know, number one, yeah. why ride around in a car that ain't got no brakes in the mountains? That that was one thing I took away from that. Yeah. that I guess a follow up question. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. That was you know, if if he couldn't stop, why was he out there driving that thing anyway? I had a feeling the, that could have been a family spin. <laughs> <laughs> the moonshine, the you know, making moonshine, they they wouldn't have been after him if they had not been right. making moonshine. Yeah. Now, you know, my dad, when before I was born, couldn't find a job. In southeast Arkansas, he went to Ypsilanti, uh, Michigan, and worked for Ford Motor Company up there uh, on the assembly line because that's how he had to feed his family. He didn't. He didn't stay at home and poach turkeys. Yeah, and my, or make moonshine. That's a great. I love it, Brent. That's a good. That's a good example. Right so there. your you know, dad would have been about probably about in the same era as these guys. Yeah, and, uh, but he 
at which, but my father had an absolute disdain for authority. He didn't like the police, and he got whole family full of them. But <laughs> man, <laughs> which is another story. Yeah. But I mean, you see, you you put yourself you you put yourself in those kind of positions, and if you don't, a lot of that badness goes away. You know, yeah. I, I see some. I, in my career, I've seen a, a lot of sadness and a lot of things that I wish I could I could not remember. But I know that they were the majority of the people that I saw do the most hideous things were have, have also done some good in their life, you know. Right. And they just got caught up in in a bad deal, in a bad situation, and they didn't see a way out. And we're talking, we're not talking about murdering folks. We're talking about killing turkeys. And I, I mean, I realize there's a heck of a difference, but right is right and wrong is wrong. And you make a choice and you put yourself there. And they say, the old saying is, if you play stupid games, you'll win stupid prizes. So, <laughs> yeah, that's about my take on it. Yeah, yeah. No, that's good. I think it's a really strong point what you said that, uh, and, and, it, and it's apples to apples. Saying my dad didn't have a job, and he moved to Michigan and worked at a Ford line. He didn't stay home and make moonshine and kill turkeys. I mean that that that's a that's a valid point, you know. So everything that's been said is right, and that's exactly why I wanted to tell this story because it's it's an interesting human story. And if nothing else, it'll make us have discussions like this, which I think are valuable. Absolutely, and it'll bring some, you know, there 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 are there's value in looking back. I mean, like if, if it was wrong to talk about bad stuff that happened, then we would have to shut down the entire century between 1800 and 1900 <laughs> on every level of human life. Yeah. And we wouldn't talk about it. Well, that happens to be one of my favorite periods of American history. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean the market hunting and all the wild stuff that happened. And, and so we can look back in history and we can see stuff and we can learn from it. And this one, it's a simple learn. I mean, obviously, we're not condoning anybody go kill a bunch of turkeys. And if you do, you're or, stupid. Or pulling guns on. Yeah, anybody. We're po- yeah, yeah anybody. good call, Brandon. And it's, and it's, it's not everybody. cool. If a guy did that today, I would, I mean, I would, I mean, outright just would be a selfish, egotistical jerk. I mean, like, I, there would be no place if a guy today. But, but and again, this was a long time ago, and maybe that is pharisaical of me to say that. But, um, and I'm not condoning. I'm not saying that it was good. I'm just saying these guys had character traits that were valuable, and that's what I'm interested in looking at. Because man, you can look at a bunch of people that did a bunch of stuff right all the time and not have the tools that you need to be successful. Like we got to look at a whole bunch of stuff. Everybody messed up, did stupid stuff. You know what I mean? True. Mm-hmm. People are complex. I mean, that's the. I think to me, that's the takeaway from the people are complex from the whole story. Is that man? People are complex, and they pull out complex emotions out of us. I mean, I think about all the the different people that. I mean, even think about your dad. Like you probably have all sorts of complicated feelings about him. You know, I'm just calling your dad out because he's not in the room. Right. But think about your, you know, like you probably have really positive feelings about him and really, really negative ones as well. And you could say, my dad built this stuff in me and that was really good. And my dad built this stuff in me that wasn't. And I think we've got a culture right now that says, well, if there's anything bad, we're going to cancel the whole person. Yeah. And I don't like that. Yeah, I don't either. like that. I think that's really unhealthy. 
And I think the the value of of what you did in this story, I, one of the things I appreciated about it is that you you kind of pl- showed this complex picture of these people. He'll pull a gun on someone, and I don't feel like he told the best stories I've heard about him. Oh, man! I feel like there's some legendary. I'm talking about positive stories. I think there's some really good stories about these guys that didn't get told because they're kind of hard to trace back and tell. You know, and I think some of the the reason that I find these men endearing is because some of those stories, and those were the first stories I heard. Yeah, yeah. And like, I didn't hear about the turkey poaching. I just heard about this other stuff. There's and those some of those are going to come out in the second podcast. So. Just, just for those following along, there's there was the genuine outlaws part one. There's going to be a genuine outlaws part two, which is going to be another bio piece on Louis Dale and Charlie. So it's just going to be more stories. Except this one, they get a, it's it's less poaching and more just some kind of wild stories about these guys, which <laughs> in some ways is just entertaining to hear, and it just paints a colorful picture. And I think that it. It it shows an image of this part of the world, and I and and I just want to tell that story. The third podcast in Genuine Outlaws Part Three is going to be foreshadowing. It, it, I, I don't want to say because I, it, I'm uncertain who I've got. What happens in Part Four? I've gotten three, three three people that are willing to talk, and uh, man, they're they're like high-level people that want to comment on this very particular thing. Yeah, and I think and, that that's part of the interesting part about this is that there are people who want to talk who are positioned to be against these people. Even the yeah. even Jimmy, I mean, the, the game wardens yeah. were... I was shocked at what Jimmy Martin said. And they will not talk to Clay unless they're like, well, we want to know that the fam- these are good people. We want to know the family is supportive of it. And it's just, it speaks to their character that people care about what, what they think you know one thing jimmy said that i might have misunderstood it and i didn't agree with it i don't think louis dell and charlie built this myth they told facts yeah i think it's like bonnie and clyde every bank robber that every bank that was robbed was done by bonnie and clyde so the story got bigger than it really was i'm hoping that's kind of what he meant because well, Charlie, for sure, he was kind of a humble guy. The little bit I knew about him, I mean, he wasn't—he wasn't going to go in lime tree and brag about killing a bunch of turkeys out of the <laughs> Well, I'm glad you said that because when I, when I, as soon as the podcast came out, Neil Taylor texted me and he said, uh, he said, Clay, they killed every turkey they ever claimed to have killed. He said they like to talk about it. They like to brag a little bit. Probably Louis talking Hill, about Louis sure. Yeah, he said, but they were not liars. That's right, and absolutely. I, I I felt like there was a a some journalistic integrity in me putting that in, just because Jimmy Martin, that's what he thought, and he had a right to have an opinion of whether they really killed as many as they did, and the tendency would be for the story to grow, even though when he said it, I was thinking. They killed every turkey. They said they, they, they I, mean, I, I really believed it. I really believed it. But I, I want. I, I felt like I owed it to Jimmy to put that in there. He did such a great job. Yeah. You, you know. I mean, it was. He just made the story. But I think that one particular place, people like Andy and myself and other people would go. No, if they told you they killed thirty six turkeys, they killed thirty six turkeys. I mean, yeah. that was part of the beauty of these guys. Yeah. You know? Yeah, 
I'm really glad you just, said that. Just for the listeners, can you guys tell us what the lime tree is? <laughs> <laughs> and the Holland land, House. Land, landmark in Landmark Mina. restaurant in Maine, Arkansas. Where everybody would go There's and a handful the of restaurants. <laughs> it used to be the Holland House. Andy Brown mentioned the Holland House. He said, they need to go down to the Holland House and say <laughs> yeah. yeah. So we're going to end this podcast on a high note, okay? Gary Newcomb hunted. With Charlie Edwards one time when he first came into Mina. And I'll, I'll tee you up a little bit with a little drama. So dad was a <laughs> banker, a young banker in a small handsome, town. Young, with a young family. With a bunch of little rugrat kids. And came into Mina. And, uh, you know, he was, and he's got his reasons for why he went hunting with a guy. But uh, he, you didn't know the full story of who this guy was. He was your customer, and, and he invited you turkey hunting, and you were like, I'm going to go turkey hunting. No, don't don't get too carried away. Okay. <laughs> Did right, he invite right. you turkey so, hunting in early March? <laughs> I, I invited myself. Okay. Well, tell the story. Well, uh, I, I turkey hunted for about 10 years, and I didn't, you know, I killed a few turkeys, but I just wasn't getting it, you know, and uh I didn't want anybody to call a bird. I just kind of wanted to do it on my own. And finally, I just told a friend of mine, I said, you know, I, I think I need to go out with a really good turkey hunter. And he said, well, I'm hunting with Charlie. I'm going to hunt in this group with Charlie Edwards Saturday if you want to come on. And so anyway, Char- I talked to Charlie and he said, yeah, come on. I'll take you hunting. Had you met him up at the Yeah, 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 I knew him. I knew him, but I, I can't get all those details exactly right. But there was a third guy involved, a realtor. Okay. And uh so anyway, a friend of mine called me and said, uh, man, you can't go hunt with these guys. The game wardens, they're gonna be thick as thieves out there after them. And I go, Well, I'm not gonna do anything wrong, which might have been stupid, I don't know. But I said, I'm not gonna do anything wrong. So I'm going. And so I went. And we ended up killing three birds and uh one big bird gobbled which i just thought about this on the way up here one big bird gobbled and we didn't go after it and i thought why aren't we going after that bird i'm thinking he was saving it Mm. so we go over here where there's a bunch of younger birds and he calls in a whole flock you know and uh end up killing three of them he does he did he did Uh, they were coming up on his side actually he killed two and he was wanting me to kill them. And I go, you know, they're on your side. I can't get around, you know, blah, blah. And so he goes, okay, bam, bam, kills two. <laughs> and, and then uh, he goes, you may call them back in again? I go, yeah. And so we move about 10, 15 yards on this knob. He calls again. Here they come again. And they come up on his side. And uh, anyway, he goes, shoot. I go, man, I can't. I can't get a beat on him, and bam! So he's got three <laughs> he's birds. He's killed three turkeys. There's a three-bird <laughs> limit in Arkansas. So, you know, I go, you going to tag those birds? And he goes, nah. <laughs> and so I didn't want to be an accomplice to some major crime, so I didn't say anything. But we went to the Which store. made you an accomplice to yeah, the crime. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so anyway, I mean, I just I said, okay, you know, that's your, your choice. And we go to the store to check it in there big fork and he uh he didn't sign them in didn't have them tagged had them in the back of the truck right in front of the store and a game warden pulls up right at the front door i mean i'm like as much as i like charlie i'm like i'm kind of for the game wardens you know i mean <laughs> I, I want you know i want some of these birds 
or myself. And uh, so guy comes in, and Charlie just starts signing these birds in. Hey, how you doing there, game warden? And, you know, meet my best friend here, Gary Newcomb, and his, uh, this realtor. <laughs> and, so you played and, interference for yeah. his <laughs> crime. So, you know, we just got to talk, and the guy never went out and looked at the back of that truck. And uh, But it was just real fun. Charlie was real nice and polite, and, you know, he could call like a crazy man. And, I mean, he had that big, long, what, 32-inch barrel on that gun. Yeah, 30. I asked Stoney, it's 30. Uh, 36, maybe. 36. Right? I mean, it's. Wow. He called it a long time. Long time, yeah. I mean, that sucker would be way out there. But the point of it, and the way I remember Dad telling it so many times, was that the game wardens could have caught him. The game warden didn't do. Is, and it wasn't Jimmy Martin. It wasn't Jimmy Martin. It, was, it wasn't Jimmy. It was a different game warden. And he just pulled right up in front, right close to Louis Dale's, or, or Charlie's truck, and walked in, and Charlie saw him. And if the g- game warden had just walked over to the back of the truck, he just would have seen untagged birds. Right. Not signed in. Because back then, you had to put a tag on it and sign it and in. And sign it in, yeah. And so, it, it, just the way it worked, like it was just no big deal and it was kind of a fumble it felt like if they're trying to catch them is that yeah. that's the way that's, i interpret that's the it. way it appeared to me so yeah. in all the years they never got busted well wait till uh, episode two foreshadowing not, wait till episode not for two turkey hunting i don't think maybe earlier well but. i will foreshadow they they have been but they did get busted with illegal turkey hunting early on when they were young why did you just that's not foreshadowing that's like that's, that's like get, jumping that's to the punchline. Straight punch up line. shadowing. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're like just that's shining a light. light on something. Yeah, that's shining a light. Well, I mean, I pretty much said it. He earlier. did. In, in the podcast, didn't I? Yep. Yeah, I think it's good. Or Isaac could just beep that whole thing out. Yeah. <laughs> like three oh. minutes of beep. Like you went on a cussing <laughs> tear, um, No, so that was always, everybody always got a big kick out of that story, and they still do and mean it today that Gary Newcomb went hunting with Charlie Edwards. And, get kill, and Charlie killed three Outlaw, turkeys. Yeah. Gary Newcomb. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let me tell you, I'll, we'll end right here. The one interaction that I had with Charlie Edwards, like face-to-face, like where we were talking, the only time I remember talking to him, I, I must have been a teenager, and I was at Big Fork, and I, was, I cannot remember who I was hunting with, but I was hunting with somebody. We pull up to the Big Fork store, and we're in our camo, and it's turkey season, and, well, there's Charlie Edwards. And he's just, we just kind of meet him. And he's like, I, I assume, I do not remember this. I assume he said, well, y'all do any good? And we talk about turkey hunting. And he has the long tom in his truck, which is this giant gun. It's spray painted green. When I, when I saw it, it was spray painted like a, like a, like a spring green. Mm-hmm. And he pulls the gun out and he says, look at this. And he hands me the long tom and I'm holding it in the parking lot. And he goes. Look down the barrel of that thing, Clay. And the the phraseology of it and my young, non-abstract thinking childhood mind thought that was an odd way. Like, I said, look down the barrel? And he said, yeah. And I said, is it loaded? And he said, yeah, don't pull the trigger. He, <laughs> he, he for real said that. The gun was loaded, <laughs> which was, would have been illegal to drive around. But he I, he said... And what he wanted me to do was just shoulder Aim. the gun and Aim. look down the barrel. Yeah. Well, I put the butt of the shotgun on the ground and look down the barrel. 
Mm. <laughs> and he's like, this kid. He's like, what are you doing? He, he, he never said anything, but he had to have been just like, what is this kid doing? <laughs> this guy's an idiot. But I, I remember really questioning him. I said, look down the, yeah, just look down the barrel. Safety first, Charlie. Is it, is it, is it loaded? Yeah, it's loaded. Don't, Don't pull, pull the trigger. trigger. <laughs> There's psychological studies that have been done on this phenomenon where you do something you know you shouldn't do. Yeah. Just because someone says well, to mean, do it yeah, with if, confidence. If he would have been like, yeah. jump off the cliff. I'd have been like, <laughs> really? <laughs> I was. I mean, I was probably but 16. But leave my gun. I don't know. Don't yeah. take my gun with so you. So that was... I, I have a look down the barrel the old oh, oh, Tom, oh, like oh, many a gobbler. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You may be the only thing with a beard that lived through that. <laughs> oh, hey, while we're closing, um, Bear Grease merch is all over. Bear Grease hats are like for real in right now. Yep. You can order real Bear Grease hats. I can stop getting them from China now. <laughs> yeah. Somebody ordered one of those knockoffs and it was pretty rough. Um, there's also the Acorn Bear Grease shirt, which is my favorite. There's also an owl. That looks ooh, ooh, ooh. a whole lot like a land bridge mustache. Yeah, it, it is, does. I think. I'd say so. I say that. It's an, it's an top a, if you haven't seen this like shirt, it says Acorn A K. Clay Newcomb. I was, I was going to talk about it. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> it says uh, A K E R N, as in Acorn, the way that 20% of the country pronounces it. And there's a big, beautiful acorn that's the shape of a man's head. Acorn has a beard and a giant mustache that says Bear Grease. This is an epic it. t-shirt design. I love it. Um, so you can get that. And then there's another cool t-shirt design. I believe design. I saw that t-shirt design scribbled on a legal pad at one point. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this is... I designed this. I designed this. Do me a favor. Go buy one. Wear it proudly. Then there's a, there's another shirt of a barred owl. A beautiful rendition of a barred owl, full eagle, spread eagle, um, spread owl, <laughs> yeah. and it and it and it says like a quote, ooh, 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 ooh. and it says barred owl. You know, like I love it. Like, yep. someone said something and you put their name, yeah, phonetically. Quote, yeah. yeah, and it says it pronounces it phonetically. And then there's another beautiful shirt of a jar of bear grease that says bear grease, and then it lists all the different uh uses of bear grease underneath it so it's pretty cool shirts nice so and then there's the gary newcomb believer hats dad's name is actually on the website got a have you seen that no i haven't yeah is it really? signature hat. it says inspired by gary newcomb the <laughs> believer hat they sold those they sold out of those in like a day wow but uh, i think they're getting them back um so hey great conversation thank you all so much you're welcome Hey, we're going to take a little break here and talk about interstate batteries. Now, if you're like me, enjoying the great outdoors, you need gear that is as reliable as it gets. That's why I power my adventures with interstate batteries. I use interstate batteries in my boats. I use interstate batteries in my camper. Great for your truck, too. From Alaska to Montana, they're outrageously dependable. Battery is essential. With over 150,000 dealer locations, finding one is easy. For all your vehicles, land or sea, choose Interstate. Head to interstatebatteries.com and find your power today. This show is sponsored in part by BetterHelp. Around New Year's, we get obsessed with how to change ourselves instead of just expanding on what we've already done right. 
Maybe you finally organized one part of your space and you want to tackle another. Or maybe you're taking your supplements every morning and now you actually want to eat breakfast. In the last year, I've been more diligent about going to the gym on a regimented schedule. And it's made a lot of difference in my life. Therapy helps you find your strengths so that you can ditch the extreme resolutions and make changes that really stick. Therapy is helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Celebrate the progress you've already made. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Grease today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash Grease. 